How many know that we're in a battle? Anybody figured that one out yet? Uh, if you haven't figured it out, you're probably visiting from another state. But I can't think of a better place, a more invigorating place to be than California in the middle of a battle. It is, a, it is the state, the one state above all other states in the United States where God has sent more revival movements, birthed more church movements than any other state in the United States. And there's a reason for that because God has his hand in on difficult places. I want you to think about that. Uh, the, the great movements of God always happen in moments of desperation, never moments of complacency. And if you're living a personal complacent life, you will not see the move of God in your life. Let me say it again. If you're living a complacent Christian life, you will not see a great move of God in your life. Um. You have to accept challenges as being ordained by God, not just being in the wrong place, wrong time. I saw a, uh, a little cartoon here this week, and it was, uh, if, you, uh, if you are leaving to go to Texas, you are a refugee, not a missionary. Hey, that's kind of what refugees do. It's too bad in this country. I'm leaving. I, I think that's a, a, a non-Christian perspective. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be really honest with you. I believe that our first calling is missional. When you gave your heart to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus is Lord, you didn't ask for the easy route. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. And we try to navigate in life the simplest, most pain-free life versus what's God calling me to do and say and be. I don't know about you, but I always loved a good fight. When I was in junior high and they said there's going to be a fight, everybody showed up. Do you remember that? And if it was a girl fight, it was twice the crowd. Because girls we knew were like brutal. They could beat anybody up. I mean, no guy would challenge a girl. I mean, it's just not going to happen. That's why deep down all men really do fear their wives. <laughs> now, no guy would say that, you know, except in the company of another guy who would confess it himself. But I want you to think about this. Position yourself for a miracle, not for escape. Position yourself for a miracle, not for a way of escape. You know what, what I'm seeing on social media is that we're self-canceling ourselves. What we do is we try to say, how much can I post and say without getting put into Instagram jail? And we're self-canceling. There are things we want to say we don't say, things we want to do we don't do, a life we want to live we don't live because we're self-canceling out the power of God in our life when we're created and made in the image of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, guided by the word of the living God. We're self-canceling. Self-canceling never works in the kingdom. I'm going to ask you to, uh, I, I want to show you a picture. This is a, an image. Uh, I've been traveling quite a bit, as you probably know, and um, this is an image from Washington, D.C. 
uh, on 9-11. So uh, in the last three weeks, I've been in D.C., and Tammy and I have been in D.C., in Colorado Springs, and in Tulsa speaking. And this is on the mall. We don't know how many people were there. We estimate, you know, somewhere between twenty and 30,000 people showed up uh, for two days uh, in addition to a conference we did. Um, and we saw hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. And that's just kind of one of the things we've been doing. We, you know, we had a Reawaken America event here, and there's been a total of, of five so far. Uh, we were the second one. And from our location here, uh, all the streams that streamed 4.6 million people watched the event right here in Anaheim. So don't underestimate what God is doing, right? And then uh, we've got two more this year, uh, one in San Antonio, one in Dallas, and then uh, in January we're going into the belly of the beast, Portland, uh, which should be a lot of fun. Um, The pastor said whenever we just talk about the Bible, they throw rocks at our church, so it should be really interesting to see what happens. Um, But I want to ask you to join us in the fight right here. Join us in the fight. You say, well, what fight is there? Well, let me put up another uh, image here. This was one that's uh, from Twitter. And the handle on this guy is, what would Judas do? Now, it says, uh, it turns out you have to get tickets to reserve your seats for their Sunday service. Also, it turns out with a little bit of coding, I'm going to have a lot of leg room this Sunday. That was directed at our church. It was uh, our Eventbrite that was breached and spammed by what would Judas do? In other words, there are people out there that are trying to shut this church down. That's what I'm trying to say to you. You have to determine if you're going to let that happen. A lot of you just were glad that you didn't have to pre-register for this service. You know, that where you thought, oh, a miracle of God. I don't have to do that anymore. Well, you know, it had run its course, and we knew that there would come a time. We just didn't know Judas would help us do it. But I want to make a point here. The point is that it starts with that. It doesn't stop with that. So this week we'll have a strategy meeting. We'll talk about some of the strategic things we're going to do to kind of beef up our our security from a standpoint of just IT and what we're doing with the Internet and so forth. Um, but, But you see, we're in a battle. And we know the enemy. The enemy ultimately is Satan, but he has emissaries who are called humans who hate God. You see, when Jesus was crucified, he wasn't crucified because he had a legitimate crime. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in this man, but I will yield to the religious leaders of the day, not to the pagan. You see, sometimes our enemy is not those who hate God, sometimes it's those who are wearing sheep's clothing, but they hate God. Jesus' great parable that caused the disciples so much consternation was found in Matthew chapter 13, when he began to speak in parables. It was the first time in Scripture he spoke in parables, Matthew 13. And in that chapter, he uses seven kingdom parables. And the one of the wheat and the tares so alarmed them, they said, why do you speak to us in parables? First time you ever did. And he said, because it's for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it's not for them, speaking of those religious leaders that rejected Christ, it is not for them to know the mysteries of the kingdom. 
So God has given you opportunity to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Now that Greek word mystery is the word mysterion. And what it means is not something weird or spooky. It means something hidden, only revealed at the right time to the right people. What I'm trying to say is there are mysteries that God wants to show you right now if you will position yourself for a miracle. If you will seek God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, the Bible says, I do nothing unless I first reveal it to my sons, the prophets. You see, God is a God of revelation. This book we call the Bible is the revelation of Almighty God. It is not just a book. It is not a religious book. It's not like any other book on planet Earth. It is living, breathing, the very breath of Almighty God. And when you encounter it, you encounter God. That's why when we say read your Bible, we're not giving you a homework assignment. We're giving you an opportunity to meet the living God. You say, well, I read it. I didn't understand it. Keep reading it. The first thing you always pray is, God, show me what I'm reading. Help me to understand. Give me a revelation. Holy Spirit, give me insight. And I promise you, if you read it, you will get something out of it. I promise you, if you don't read it, you won't. How's that for brilliance? So the question comes, what would Judas do? Well, we know exactly what Judas would do. He would do just this in this day. He would try to close down churches. And whether it's a governor or some hack on Twitter, it's the same, same, same character behind it all. So I want to ask you three questions. I want to ask you these, and I want you to think about them. Do you want a breakthrough in your life? Do you want a breakthrough in your life? Do you need a miracle in your life? Do you desire divine power? Now, if any or all of those apply to you, then the message today is going to be helpful. If you don't want a breakthrough, miracles, or power, you're gonna be bored out of your mind. How's that? If you want any of those, then you have to stand. If you want any of those, you have to fight. If you want any of those, you have to pray. If you want any of those, you have to lean into faith hard. I mean to where it scares you. God, what am I gonna do? Nothing. You're gonna let me do it through you, and you're gonna be surprised what I do in and through you. As long as it's you, you're not gonna do anything. As long as your first phone call is to your friend saying, what am I gonna do? You're gonna miss out on what God is gonna do. Your first phone call is to God. Your first phone call is to the word of God. God, I'm gonna search out your scripture. You give me revelation of what I'm gonna do because you see, there is the logos of God. That's the word, you pick it up. But there is the word within the word that is called the rema. That is the revelation of God. God speaks to you from his word uh, and gives you a word for your day. You remember that scripture in Ephesians chapter six when it talks about put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy? And it talks about the word, taking up the word of God. Remember that? Do you know that's the word rema? It's not the word logos. He's not talking about picking up your Bible and hitting the devil over the head with it. He's talking about reading your word, getting a word so that you know how to fight in battle. That's what we need to do, amen? Are you excited about God yet? All right, then you gotta be strong. Say with me, be strong. 
Be strong. Joshua chapter one, verses three and six. Let me set up the story here of Joshua. You go back and here's Moses and he says, we're gonna go in and take the land. God says we can take the land and we're gonna have to go over the Jordan. We're gonna have to fight some battles. So he sends 12 spies into the land. Now, if you remember a little bit about this story, I think it's Numbers 14. If you remember anything about the story, they go into the land and 10 of them are afraid. And they say there's giants in the land, and surely the land is great, but we can't take this land. But two of them stood up, Joshua and Caleb, and they said, it is a bountiful land. We must go up at once and take the land. So they go back, and they give Moses a report, and the the naysayers are saying, no, we can't do it, we can't do it, it's giants in the land, it's too difficult, there's too many problems, da-da, yada, 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 right? Joshua and Caleb said, no. Quiets them all down, said, we gotta go up. Do you realize the Bible says that those 10 didn't go into the promised land? Only Joshua and Caleb did? Now Joshua was working well under Moses. And all of a sudden Moses dies, Joshua becomes the leader, and the first thing that Joshua does is get afraid. You ever been afraid? If you haven't been afraid, you're probably not human. Right? If you're a man, you never admit you're afraid. Right? I think I told this story one time. We'd, we'd got into Prague, and uh, it was Tammy and Jen and I. Jen was about 12 probably at the time, and we got into Prague late at night. We were living in Europe, and uh, when you get off the train, you have to go through this dark tunnel. I don't know why. Why does Eastern Europe have dark tunnels? It doesn't make any sense to me with no lights, and this is the pathway to get to the taxi. And there's all kinds of drug dealers and bad people in this, and uh, I think either Jen or my wife said, uh, I'm afraid. And I go, there's nothing to be afraid about. We're all fine. And I'm going inside. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to die. They're going to kill us, rape us, pillage us, and, and quarter us and leave us in a street somewhere. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to admit you got some fears. It's okay to have a fear. It's what do you do with it? You see, it's either going to consume you or you're going to consume it. You're going to take authority over it. It's going to take authority over you. So you always want to take authority. So Joshua, in chapter 1, that's a setup now. Remember, Joshua's a little bit uh, hesitant. Can I really do the job? I've watched what Moses can do. Can I do that job? And here's what it says in Scripture. God says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. This is the same promise he gave to Moses. He said, wherever you walk is your land. He goes on to say, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness to the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun. What's interesting is the Hittites worship the sun god. When he said to the going down of the sun, he said, they will have no authority over you all through the day or the night. So he was addressing the religion of the day, and it said, that shall be your territory. You see, when God gives you a promise, you don't have to worry. You know what this book is? It's a promise book. From cover to cover, it's got a promise for you. If you don't have a promise, maybe you need to read it more, amen? Hey, we all need to read it more, so don't feel like that's a judgment. It's just like the more we read it, the more revelation we get. Now look what he says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life pretty good promise. You're going to win. You may feel like you're going to lose, but you're going to win. 
As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and be of good courage. You see, what it really came down to, you have to be strong. I don't know what I'm going to do. The governor's so mean and he's so ungodly. Yeah? Well, 14 out of the 17 kings of Israel were evil. They oppressed the people and still God moved. As bad as Newsom is, he's an amateur compared to some of the guys in the Bible. He said, well, I don't know what we're going to do. He's got this thing about vaccines for my kids. Yeah, and there's going to be no telling how many emergency injunctions filed tomorrow. Not only that, I just uh, we were just in Tulsa, and it was a private gathering of influencers across the nation, and uh, one of the things that came out of that was a restructuring of government schools uh, into the private sector. What that means is that government schools, we call them public schools, uh, they're on a decline because there's so much, it's just getting so bad, people are going, what am I going to do? And it's a shame because our public schools are honestly filled with some really great teachers who really have great values and love children. But I think they're going to be great, great opportunities for them to go into a new school system that's going to parallel the public school system and bring about goodness and mercy and love in our land. I don't know what it looks like yet, but I guarantee you those days are coming. I like to akin what's happening today is there's always that bully in, in the grade school. Remember the bullies in the grade school? You know, and they were so intimidating. It was like facing Goliath. Every, you know, like, I don't want to go out and recess today. He's out there, right? And then he's always got one guy to pick on. He's the skinny guy that just doesn't say anything. You know, the tall, skinny guy, it wasn't me. I was never skinny. And, uh, but it was always a tall, skinny guy, you know, and then he keeps pushing him, stealing his lunch money, whatever he's doing, right? And then one day, the skinny guy goes, you know, I, I, what do I got to lose? What do I got to lose? I'm oppressed every single week, and he punches the bully in the nose. And the next week, everybody punches the bully in the nose, you see, I got a feeling that I believe in the spirit of the American people that are going to say, number one, you can't keep pushing me around. I believe that. But let me tell you what I believe that's even more powerful. I believe in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, that lives in the life of the believer, that wants to see miracles, that wants to see that his kingdom come, and is going to humble themselves and pray and seek his face, and we're going to see the hand of God in our land. I believe that. I believe revival is coming. I believe we're getting to a place of such desperation that even the, the nominal Christian is gonna begin to pray and seek the face of God. Can you say amen with me? Can I say this? Your future is a gift from God. Let that sink in a moment. God gifted you with tomorrow. What will you do with the gift that God gave you? Your future is a gift from God. His presence is your comfort. The fact that you have today and you have his presence, I have a promise of tomorrow. That means that whatever God brings me, that's my gift. But also remember that his presence is what brings me comfort. I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't have to know what you're going to do. Do you realize that nobody who claimed to be a prophet saw this coming? 
I'm talking about COVID. Nobody. So you know what I do? I go, I don't have to live by what people think is gonna happen after the fact. Oh yeah, I saw that coming. No, you didn't. Nobody did. I don't have to worry then because God is my sufficiency every single day. Why am I, why am I so locked into that? I, I know one thing that's always true and it's the word of God. Amen? It's always true. I just sink into that one. How about this one? Your presence is your comfort. Your strength and courage is your faith investment. What? Your strength and your courage is your faith investment. You know how you demonstrate you believe God? You stand with courage in the midst of difficulty. That's your faith investment. I believe God's gonna come through. That's faith. I don't know what I'm gonna do. That's doubt. You, you can't be flipped between both, both positions. You can't be doubting and faithing at the same time. It's not gonna work. You gotta face your battles. Can you say face your battles? Face your battles. I, I, I wanna give you good news. You will have battles the rest of your life. You know, when, when uh, Jesus was talking to Peter, and you know, I love Peter. Peter is like so much like, uh, he's a disciple with a foot-shaped mouth, right? I mean, this guy is always just like, you know, I'll follow you anywhere, and then he goes out and denies him, right? Bid me to come in the water. He comes out in the water, and then he starts to sink. I mean, he's, I love this guy, because I so relate to it, amen? But on one occasion, Jesus says to Peter, Satan's desire is to sift you like wheat, now, I don't know if you've ever sifted wheat, but you can put the grains in your hand, you can rub your hands together, create friction and heat, and you can separate the chaff from the seed. And that's sifting. Now, so Jesus says, Satan's desire is to sift you like wheat. Now, you would expect Jesus to say, but I'm not gonna let it happen. Don't worry, I've got you covered. And you know what he says? But I'm praying that your faith fail not. That's not what I want to hear. I don't want no sifting. I want no heat, no rubbing down. I don't want none of that stuff. Amen? I want him to say, Satan's desire is to sift you like wheat, but I want you to know I'm going to crush him. No, he says, I want you faith to prevail in the midst of the sifting. Because what the sifting does when you demonstrate that you are going to stay with the fight is it perfects your faith and it lays up for you an eternal weight in glory beyond all comparison on planet earth. I got a feeling a lot of people who sought the easy route in life are gonna find themselves in heaven paupers. Well, I just wanna get in. That's the most unbiblical perspective in the Bible. Just getting into heaven is not the goal. If that were the goal, God would have saved you, killed you, took you then. Hello? Are you with me? God didn't do that. You know why? Because he wants to perfect you now into a mature person who then can take on an assignment in eternity for glory and his kingdom to come and expand. I don't know what glory is like, but I know, number one, it's better than this, and it's not static. We don't get to heaven and get bored. I don't know what I'm gonna do up here. I like, I'm trying to kill time. There ain't no time. What do I do with time? There ain't no time in heaven. 
There's assignments in heaven. You know, in, in the book of Revelation, it says something that scientists just figured out about 50 years ago, and that is that the universe is constantly expanding. John the Apostle wrote in 90 AD that there is an expanding world. It says, worlds to come. God wants you to understand something about the magnitude of his universe, so he gave you the North Star so you can look up and go, wow, and it's, you notice there's no clusters of stars around it because that is the focal point of the, the Milky Way galaxy where you peer out into in mystery and you wonder how the God of glory has come and what he has planned for you. So Joshua, it says in Joshua 10, ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and the mighty man of valor, and the Lord said unto Joshua, do not fear them. Have you ever noticed that there's a theme here that God has in Joshua's life? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know you're a scaredy cat, Josh. I'm gonna keep reminding you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know what God does? God's spirit speaks the loudest in your dominant weakness. Let me say it again. God speaks the loudest in your dominant weakness. Whatever you are, feel the weakest in, God's spirit will always reinforce the strength that you need in that dominant weakness. If fear is your greatest thing, God is going to always bring that into you, and you say, why didn't he just fix me, cure me of this problem? Because his grace is sufficient, for in when you are weak, then you are, Why? Because you're going, oh, God, what am I going to do? And he goes, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to fill you up. God likes us a little dependent. Did you know that? God doesn't want you self-sufficient. Wake up every day, man, everything's great and wonderful. I got everything I need. I got no challenges. What a wonderful day. No, that describes a 30-year-old, you know, uh, who lives in the basement with his mom and plays video games. That's, that's who that is. That ain't you. I mean, we've prolonged adolescence so long that men don't even know what it is anymore. All I can say is, when I was 18, if I'd have said to my dad, Dad, you know, I love living here at home. Man, mom makes my bed and... You give me allowance, let me borrow your car once in a while, and I don't want a job or go to school. I just, just kind of want to hang with you. <laughs> Bond with old dad. My dad was a colonel. He didn't really understand that kind of language. <laughs> when I was uh, about 14, my dad said, you know, I'm done re restricting you. I'm done, you know, taking away allowance. I'm done with all that. And... Uh, I'm gonna get some boxing gloves, and whenever you do something wrong, we're gonna box. This is true. I still have the boxing gloves, by the way. My dad uh, boxed semi-professional, so he was pretty good at what he did, and plus he had, the, he had dad strength. You all know what dad strength is. It's like, you're not really sure what they got, but you know they will kill you and not care. That's dad strength. And so we boxed for about three years, and you know, he taught me a lot, and you know, I got beat up a lot, and um, he won almost every single time. And then I caught him with a right cross, knocked him over the coffee table, broke three ribs, and he said the boxing was over. <laughs> That's manhood. That's transitions into manhood. Right? I go, I, I can knock my dad over the coffee table. This is a good day. 
I remember the day our oldest son was wrestling, and he, he went in 11th grade. He said, I'm going to go out for wrestling. And I said, what, what do you know about wrestling? I've never wrestled. He said, well, I've wrestled you. I said, well, that's a good point. So he goes out for wrestling, and that year he, uh, he finished fourth in the state and had the most pins, right? And he was strong as a horse. And so his senior year, he wanted to wrestle me again. I thought, I'm going to show him. <laughs> I don't know what hold he got me in. I mean, I was, I was ready to cry like a baby. I was hurting so bad, I literally thought I was going to die, and I knew the only thing I could do was bite him. <laughs> I bit him as hard as I could. I mean, I was going to pull out flesh. <laughs> he screamed, jumped up, said, you can't do it, it's not fair. I said, I don't see a ref. <laughs> no, when you're trying to get manhood into your life, man, this is a serious thing. I was smart enough to never wrestle him again, by the way. Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. There's no one that can come against you when you walk in the power of God. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges. It means that no one will be able to stand it. You're not going to lose. Even if you suffer a setback, you're going to have a comeback. Amen? God wants you to be in that position. God wants you to be challenged. Joshua, therefore, came upon them suddenly. Now he's coming, across, coming against the, the Hittites and the other groups that have come against him, having marched all night from Gilgal. You know why they put that in there? They were tired. It wasn't their strength. You see, the Holy Spirit is very strategic. When he puts something in Scripture, he's putting it in there for a reason. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, every word, every word is the word of God tried seven times in a furnace of fire. You see, the word is not just pure. Every word is pure and positioned properly. He said, so they, were, they marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel killed them with a great slaughter. You know what I love about that? Joshua fought, but God ultimately won the battle for them. You got to fight even when you're tired, but you know that God is going to take care of the situation. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You do I, I want to say this again. You don't have to know what to do. You just have to walk in obedience on a daily basis. Now watch this. Faith, faith is a weapon that protects and provides. Faith is a weapon. You got a weapon. You don't need a sword. You got faith. That's your weapon. You can move mountains, the Bible says, with faith. You can change hearts with faith. You can restore a nation with faith. This is what the Bible says. And it protects you. When you're walking in faith, you're protected. And you're also having provision. God's going to provide. I don't know where I'm going to get this money. God will take care of it. You just be faithful to God. God will take care of it. You see, faith shuts down when an option is being considered. Dang, that hurts you. Some of you got that piece of paper. You know the piece of paper? Let's write down all our options. Dumbest thing in the world. I've done that before, made more mistakes doing that than I ever did trusting God. We ended up in Columbus, Ohio doing that. <laughs> now, if you're from Ohio, I, I got nothing against that. Our daughter was born in Ohio, so that was a great little Buckeye gift we got. But we just, we, we put the options down. We were trying to look at our life and trying to make our next move and see what, where God would have for us. And, and we started seeing license plates with Ohio on them everywhere. That must be the will of God. Look at that, another Ohio. You ever notice what you look for, you find? 
You look for fear, you find it. Hmm. So anyway, we moved to Columbus, Ohio, pastor of church. God bless you. We weren't there 24 hours. We looked at each other, what in the world have we done? I mean, I started sending out resumes right away. I said, I, I, gotta, I, I couldn't even get asked to come to No Hope Church. And God left us there six years. You know the verse he gave me? From the Psalms, it says, by the waters of Babylon, we sat down and we rem when we remembered the O Zion. And our captor said, sing us the songs of Zion. And we said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I've watched more people make mistakes moving or shifting jobs because they did the options versus faith. Come on. I remember a guy called me up and he said, hey, I got this great job opportunity in Connecticut. I'm gonna make four times what I'm making now and it's gonna be great. And he had teenage kids, two teenagers. And I said, uh, well, tell me about um, the school systems. He said, oh, we'll find schools. It'll be great. It's a great educational area in the world. I said, well, tell me about the church. Oh, I don't know. There'll be a church. 12 months later, he's calling me up and he's going, man, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I said, I knew that. I told you that a year ago. But you wouldn't listen because you want to use this and not this. Every time you use this without this, you're going to make a mistake. Well, it makes sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense in the kingdom. It might make sense in the world, but you're not, um, you're not a resident of the world. You're a resident of the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, some of you are looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate going, what's he saying? I got to get up with this one here, but God wants to do something great. Faith is a weapon that protects and provides. Faith shuts down when an option is being considered. Let me take you to the book of James. Ask in faith with no doubting. Is that clear? How many think that say that's clear? Oh, God, oh my God. The less you talk, the longer I go. All right, let me try it again. Ask in faith with no doubting. Is that clear? That's clear. I'm not... I don't see any options there. I don't look, see any loopholes in that one. For he who doubts is like a wave by the sea, tossed and fro by the wind. You ever watch the waves? I'm gonna keep my eye on that wave all day long. You ever done that? Oh, that's stupid. You can't keep your eye on that wave. That wave goes away. You see, doubt is like that. It's like trying to focus on a wave. It doesn't work. So it says, it says, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. If you try to work in an option versus faith, you cannot expect that God will come through. You've just, you've just bypassed the process of the kingdom. There is currency in the realm, and the currency is faith. It is not your mind. It is not all the wonderful opportunities you have. I have 100 opportunities right now. I could do anything but that's not important. I need to do what God wants me to do. Amen? If I do that, everything else is gonna work out. Everything is gonna work out. Here's the third big idea. Ask big. Ask big. Some of you haven't asked God for something big in a long time. And it's only because you maybe you say, well, I, I'm doing pretty good, I don't need anything. Or maybe because you just, don't know if God's gonna come through, so why risk it? 
You know, faith is walking on the borderline of disaster. If God doesn't come through, then you're a fool. When Peter got out of the boat, he demonstrated faith. Even in his sinking, he demonstrated faith. See, the problem says he took his eye off Jesus and he looked at the wind and the waves, and that's when he began to sink. Have you ever stood on water and begun to sink? No, I just sunk. Now, my 200 and none of your business pounds, it will sink faster than you. Right? But you're, gonna, you're not going to just begin to sink. You're, gonna, you're just going to go to the bottom. You see, he's telling us something, even that little word that even when, you're, when your faith is low, God is not going to let you sink. Isn't this good? Huh? He's going to sustain you, even in the midst of your doubt. So here's what it says in Joshua 10. Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said, in the sight of Israel, sun stand over Gibeon and moon over the valley of Ajalon. What? What did he just say? Did he just say what I think he said? He said, we need more time to finish the battle, and the sun's going down, and we don't have night goggles. So he says, sun, stand still. Now, I've heard bold prayers before, but that's about as bold as it gets. Amen? All right. So the sun stood still. And the moon stopped, so the sun stood still in the midst of the heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has not been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. All right, now what happened here? Do you really believe that something happened in the heavens that stopped the sun? I do, because I believe the word of God. It's not for me to question the word of God. It's for me to live and operate in the kingdom of God and his word. You know, we have have a, a car that has an owner's manual. We have three cars, actually, okay? We have one car with 150,000 miles, one car with 82, and one car with 30, all right? All of them have an owner's manual. All of them are important. Where you've been in this journey a long time or just a little time, you need the manual. The manual says keep oil in the car. Old one, new one, keep oil in the car. What, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in the oil thing. I, I like the spark plug thing. I'm a carburetor guy. You know, love brakes and tires, but I'm just not an oil guy. See, that's like people saying, I believe the Bible except for that. I don't believe in oil. The car's going to stop. Engine's going to seize up. You ain't going nowhere. The Bible says that I believe it. You see, asking is the only evidence of faith. Asking is the only evidence of faith. One more time. Asking is the only evidence of faith. When I put doubt in there, I destroy faith. When I put options in there, I destroy faith. I'm just going to walk by faith. I don't know where it's going. God told us uh, a few months ago to start American faith. I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I was mad. I was mad at what was going on in our state, and I thought, I'm going to do something. I don't know what it is. Even if it doesn't work, I'm going to give it a shot. And step by step, you just kind of walk into it, walk into it. It's, it's hard to believe we had a gala five months ago. It's only been going five months in its present state. Five months. 
And now we have 1.7 million views, monthly views. You know what that tells me? That tells me I, we, we must have made the right decision because God is blessing it beyond what we could imagine. That's what it says to me. So sometimes you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how you're going to do it. You don't even know where it's going, but I just feel like God wants us to do this, and let's just take the next prescribed step, see what happens. That's faith. You see, doubt's going, that won't work. Other people have tried it. I'm not even going to get in the game. That's for somebody else, not for me. Well, now if God told you, uncommon miracles require uncommon faith. You said you wanted a miracle. You said you wanted divine power. At least most of you did, I think. Well, then your faith can't be what you've been doing. See, the kind of faith you've been operating in is not sufficient for where God wants to take you tomorrow. Last week, Tammy talked about a building and what we're trying to do for the future. And we're, we're kind of, uh, we had pioneers that kind of set up uh, the, first, the first 10 years of our church life, which we'll celebrate next year. I believe we have builders are going to celebrate, going to help us celebrate the next one. And so we're in the process right now. We have a, a letter of intent uh, in a building next door uh, in this business park to then move all of our offices in. Our offices are across the street in our children's department. We've expanded over there. Children's department's up about 30, 35% this year already. And uh, it's just like chaos over there. It's like a gypsy market over there. If you've ever been over there, it's like, oh my gosh, and all the, all the desks have to be moved out, all the stuff, I mean, the kids move in, so we want to take across the street, turn that all into children's area, move over here. Uh, we already have in this, in this LOI uh, someone who will lease one of the floors and pay about two-thirds of the mortgage payment, okay? And then we'll move all our offices over there. We can have Bible studies on Wednesday night. We can do all of that. If we get enough money, if we figure out how to do all this thing, we won't even have the lease there. We'll just take the whole thing and move our whole children's department over there. My goal, honestly, is to stay here. You see, the original design of this building is every wall can come out of this. This can become one massive worship center. The, the, you know, the problem is the, the post office is over here. And I've already told them we're not renewing your lease. Okay. And that comes in 23, I believe. We're not going to renew that lease. We're going to grab that 3,600 square feet, use it for us. And uh, so, see, see, God is just, I, I don't know where this is going. How do I end up, how do we buy a $6 million building? The same way you buy a $3 million building. You just trust God. It's all the same thing. This building we bought for $2.9 million is just appraised at $8.6 million. You know what? I, I don't know. I talked to the lender. They said, what, are you gonna, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I, I want to buy this building with no money down. And they laughed. And I said, okay, well, how much down do we need? She said, well, I don't know. You're going to need 10% at least. I said, okay, well, we'll figure. That's only 600000 We can find that somewhere. If you have that today and want to write the check, see me afterwards. <laughs> you know, people laugh about that, but I, that literally is how we bought this building. People walked up, said, I'll give you 100 You just walk in faith. Well, what happens if it doesn't come through? Then it doesn't come through. How's that for an answer? But I'm not going to stop because I can't figure it out. That's not faith. What, have you really figured this out? Have you really put the pencil to the paper? Yeah, I have. But that's secondary. 
Here's the last thought I want to give you. Seize every moment of faith when it comes. You're going to have moments of faith where you, you feel it. You feel it in your gut. And you're going to go, you know what? I think this is a moment of faith. But then you're going to start to work your way away from it. Yeah, but. But, but, but theology will kill you. You'll remember that. But I don't know how to, but, what if, but, 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 but. No, you got a moment of faith. God gives you this little window. Here's, my, here's what I believe. I believe God gives you a little window of faith to do something, and if you don't do it, you can, you can bypass that moment in time altogether, and it doesn't come back. So when you have that moment of faith, what you do is, God, I'm going to press into this. I'm going to see where this goes. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm just going to, God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of this and see what happens. And every time I've done that, I've seen the hand of God. Every time I've ignored that, I always miss that opportunity in life. Always did. It never came, not one time has it ever come back to me in all my years of walking with God. So you want to increase the sensitivity of your heart, your mind, and your spirit to those moments when God brings you a faith opportunity and say, I'm going to seize it. I don't know where it's going, you know. It may not seem right. It may not seem possible. It may not seem doable. But when you seize it and go, I'm going to take a hold of that. I'm going to hold that as hard as I can, as long as I can. And I'm going to see what God can do. Amen. Stand with me. Would you just uh, stand with me and, and bow your heads in prayer? I want you to, I want you to just uh, have a little bit of time with God, exploring what He's doing in your life right now. And so, just I, I'm going to ask you kind of a series of questions or make a few statements. I want you to think about uh, where you stand or where you sit. Holy Spirit of God, teach me to walk in faith. Just say that in your in your heart. You can say it out loud if you want, but teach me to walk in faith. Is there a moment of faith that I need to capture right now? Is there something I need to believe God for right now? Or do I simply need to just stand up with courage in the storm that I'm living in right now, because some of you are living in some major storms and you just need courage. You just need a just big dose of solid courage. Well, God gives you that. God will give that to you right now. Just ask him. Just ask in faith without doubting, God, give me the courage I need for the problems I face today. God, give me revelation what I need to do, think, how I need to live my life. Just give me a revelation. Some of you are trying to figure out what to do with your job. Well, just follow the Lord. What is he telling you to do? Just let God work. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that name above every name, we give you praise and glory. We ask for all those who are here today that, that are struggling in their faith as believers, God, that you would just strengthen them from the inner man, that you would give them power from on high, that you would anoint them, God, with wisdom. Father, for those who do not know you today and are uncertain about their eternal destiny, would you call upon the name of the Lord right now where you are? 
Just say, Lord Jesus, would you save me? Lord Jesus, would you, would you rescue me from my sin, deliver me, and give me the power of the Holy Spirit to live out my life on a daily basis? Give God the glory right now. Either way, whether you need a, just a, an infusion of faith or whether you need courage or whether you just receive the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory.